Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. Ephraimites and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Reinbold, and this is the House of Ephraim show today. We do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in this show. It's Mark Reinbold. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And, again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity, again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that 
and you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about, and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call, 618-262-2810, and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Decker. be able to wrap up today the series that we've done on the purpose of temptation, but I've got a lot of material that I need to cover this morning, and I may not be able to get through it. If not, we'll finish it next week. But uh, I do, uh, again, want you to realize, and we will at the end uh, hopefully have time. If we don't, I'll make time to be able to summarize what we have done in uh, these past weeks with this, trying to get you to understand that temptation is not uh, given to us by God. Now, God doesn't tempt us. He allows us to be tempted, but it is not given to us to break us. Temptation is given to us to change us, all right? And we must remember that God wants us changed to be like Him. Now, you say, well, I became like Him when He came into my heart. You did, but you still need to understand that there's a part of you that didn't change. In fact, there's two parts of you that didn't change. It was your soul and your soulish realm, which is part of your mind, your five senses, and your body. Those things didn't change when Jesus Christ came into your heart. And those are the things that have to be changed. And those are the things that, that the Lord God requires, requires uh, as we grow in the Word to be changed in each of our lives. So therefore, temptation isn't to be looked at as something that's horrible that comes in our lives. But temptation needs to be looked at as the opportunity, once you're able to see this, as we have uh, studied in these past weeks, and if, you, if you've never seen it this way, I'm sure that it's been a real eye-opener to you to be able to realize that we can rejoice because this is the way that God has chosen to bring you and I out of that wilderness spiritually that we seem to wander around in so much. Now, we're going to start again this morning where we have started in all the previous weeks in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, and the 13th verse. So if you'll turn there with me, please. That's 1 Corinthians 10:13. It says here, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. And I hope after this number of weeks that we have studied this, I hope that this uh, particular scripture has been opened to you uh, where you can see clearly now Maybe some things that you weren't able to see within it before. Now, uh, we have given you a what I have deemed to be the law for provision, and I'm going to give it again this week. It is simply this, that God gives us a promise, which is always linked to a principle or a condition. And you must always remember that, that God's promises are conditional. And uh, the fact of the matter is that there's the promise, and here's the condition. Then comes the temptation or the problem. And then after you come through that, then it, there is the provision on the other end of the promise. And it will work that way. And as we uh, have gone through all this with you, I hope that you've been able to understand that it will work this way in every area of your life. Every area of your life. Uh, believing within the Word of God, uh, your everyday walk uh, uh, that you have, it all will apply if you will apply it. In fact, I would, uh, I would strongly urge you 
to keep this uh, equation, and that's really what it is, uh, so that you can use it uh, uh, sort of like a recipe, if you will, and you can begin to see that work in your life. Now, we have talked a lot about temptation now, and we used uh, Israel, and they're wandering around in the wilderness and showing you scripturally uh, why they wandered around and why it was that, uh, that, that bless God, that they didn't seem to, uh, to go into the land and possess it when the Lord God told them to, to do such. Um, but you need today to know that we're going to talk about how to possess the land how to possess it. And it's important to know how to possess the land. It's uh, um, The Lord God said, go in and take the land. Uh, that's what he told them to do. And bless God, but there's a way to possess it. And we're going to today, we're going to get into that. Uh, a lot of people enter into the land. They entered into the land. Uh, but bless God, just because you enter in doesn't mean that you possess it. Now, let me correlate that uh, uh, quickly with the fact that when you become a Christian, you've entered into the land of eternal life with Jesus Christ forevermore. But that still doesn't mean that you possess the kingdom. It doesn't mean that you possess the kingdom. The possession of the kingdom is going to come through the Word of God right here on the face of this earth as we're here. Uh, we've got an automatic shoe-in uh, when we go cross over onto the other side to be with the Lord God forevermore. But while you're right here, just receiving Jesus into your heart does not, has not, and will not bring you to a place of saying, Hey, I've got it made and all this is mine. Unfortunately, that's what's happened to us in most of the church. Most of the church realm has thought because we, Jesus has come into our hearts, we have got it made. And again, you do have it made uh, when you cross over into eternity, but you don't have it made just because Jesus has come into your heart while you're here on the face of this earth here and now. And that's the part where the church is going to have to become educated in to understand how, again, to possess that which has been given to us. You've heard me for months now uh, say that the Lord God has given us the entirety of his kingdom right here on the face of this earth. The key to it is learning how to possess that kingdom that is the Lord God's, which has been given to us. And we're going to, we're going to uh, uh, talk about that. Now, most uh, people as Christians want instant maturity. And instant maturity is dangerous if there was such a thing, and there's not. All right? That's the reason, my brothers and sisters, um, I try to keep driving into your spirits, into your hearts, the fact that spirituality of something of which most of us, especially in the Pentecostal, full gospel, charismatic realm, is something that we strive for. We, we feel that uh, if we become, you know, we want to be spiritual. Now, my answer to that is, you become scriptural, you become scriptural, you be not only a hearer of the Word of God, but you become a doer of the Word of God, you will become spiritual and never know that you've ever done that. You'll never know. And the reason you'll never know that you've become spiritual is because the, every step that you take uh, from glory to glory, from one anointing to the next anointing with the Lord God, you're going to have to pass through a spiritual wilderness in order to get there. You're going to have to. Uh, those things are not automatic. You don't just come up to that next place to walk in with God and say, well, I made that one, here I am, and I'm walking into this one. No, it, it, that's the reason it takes time. And it takes time, and now listen to this, it will take you a lifetime to come into that place with God because there's always more tomorrow than there is today. But when, when this, I'll never forget my own, my own walk with Christ in the very beginning. I wanted to become just as spiritual as Kenneth Hagin in about two or three weeks. 
I, I wanted to be, I, I read a couple of his books, and I made my mind up that was me, and all I had to do was just, just uh, and that happens to a lot of us. I hadn't matured in the Word of God. I didn't have any of the Word of God in me to mature. All right, number one. Uh, number two, it was just a figment of my imagination because of the fact of thinking I could do that tomorrow because I kept saying, yes, Jesus is in my heart. I've got the power of the Holy Ghost flowing through me. I speak in other tongues. I can do anything through Christ Jesus. All of those are truths in the Word of God. But the problem of it is those things, the power, the power of the Holy Spirit working in you is going to be contingent upon you coming through those wilderness areas in your life spiritually, all right? Spiritually, coming through those, those areas. That's the reason as we taught you through, this, through this, uh, this session that we've done, the purpose of temptation, is that you can stay in the same wilderness area spiritually that you're in for the rest of your life. And folks, I know hundreds of people today that are still fighting the same spiritual area that they were fighting ten years ago. I know hundreds of people by now that are still fighting that same spiritual area, the same problem, the same problem. And most of them, all oh, the hell that I'm going through and, and this and that. And they, again, they don't even realize why they're going through what they're going through. And you need to, to get this into your spirit, man. Every time that this temptation area comes into your life, Every time it comes, you must remember, God wants to change something in me. I can look at the temptation and begin to see somewhat what God's trying to change, if you'll look at it. Now, the problem, again, gets to being there, and most of us won't look at that. Most of us don't want to look at that because most of us get to thinking that, that, you know, that, that, we're, that, that we're, you know, spiritual enough that, oh, the Lord is going to just pour out these blessings on me and I don't have to worry about it, but... Again, that's just not, uh, it's not scriptural, number one, which doesn't make it true. Uh, now, in Deuteronomy, the seventh chapter, we need to look here just the first part of this uh, in, the first, uh, in the first verse, Deuteronomy 7, 1. The statement made here is, When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it, and hath cast out many nations before thee, uh, understand, it says, had cast out many nations before thee. It didn't say all nations before them in the very beginning. It didn't. Or it doesn't make it here in this the statement made here isn't that way. Our promised land becomes ours only a little at a time. All right? A little at a time. Uh, you have to grow in your ability to possess it. You have to grow in your ability to possess it. That's the reason I, I keep saying don't try to use $100 faith when all that you actually have possessed in faith is a nickel's worth. It won't work. And that's the reason so many people that try to possess faith in that way, and when it doesn't work, they're all let down. They're all distraught. They're all, you know, sometimes you gotta, uh, sometimes you got to pray for them uh, because they're depressed even over the fact that, well, I really believed God for that. It just really didn't work. But you see, your faith level wasn't to the place that would receive that. And that's important, folks, that you understand. Now, I'm not going to be talking, I'm not talking here about within the nine gifts of the Spirit that we, that we study and understand in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. Uh, those supernatural gifts, when they work, they cause it to happen. All right? I'm talking about your faith. I'm talking about my faith on an everyday uh, working level 
it will only work on the level that it's at. That's the reason you've got to keep pushing forward for that faith to keep strengthening. Uh, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, and that's the way it comes. It comes by putting it to work every day in your life and watching it work, and you becoming convinced enough that it does work that you will add faith onto that faith, and it just keeps going and going and going. But there again, that's not going to happen to you just in a matter of uh, uh, two or three weeks or six or eight months. And that's the, if there is such a thing, that's the scary part of the charismatic movement. We've got too many people that have arrived that absolutely know nothing about the Word of God. They have a, now, I want, to, I want to explain that, what I mean when I say they have arrived, but they don't know anything about the Word of God. They have received Christ, filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, and they have lied to themselves about their spirituality, thinking that they have arrived in a place where they're, uh, you know, that they've got full control over the power of the Lord God. And, and, uh, and I'll tell you this right now, you'll never come to a place of being fully in control. The Lord God's in control. Okay, you're just all you're doing is using the name of Jesus Christ uh, again through the faith that you build each and every day in your walk going through these temptations, these places of trials and testings that brings you to that place of, of seemingly people seemingly look at people like me and think, oh, he can do anything in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what the word says, that all things are possible to those that believe. All right. But again, that believing level has to, be, uh, has to be in a certain place to be able to produce whatever it is you're believing for, too. All right? And then, of course, we've got to, to substantiate that. You've got to go back and understand the 11th chapter of Mark and the 24th verse, 23rd verse, uh, where we're talking about there that you've not only got to believe it by speaking it out of your mouth, you've got to believe it in your heart. And we've got a lot of mouth talkers that don't, don't even start to believe in their heart what they're really saying is true. And see, that it won't work that way. We've, we've spent too many years trying to get people to speak it out of their mouths, and that's where you've got to begin. But you've got to understand something. That the, to, fulfill, to fulfill that in the 11th chapter of Mark, you have to believe it also in your heart. We've got a lot of people saying, I'm believing for a good job. And in their heart, they're saying, I hope I get a job. Hmm? I'm believing to be healed of this cancer. And in their heart, they're going, oh, I really hope I am. See, that, that, that crosses out the part of you speaking when you believe like you do in your heart. And that's what causes us to get ourselves all monkeyed up and, and, and crossed up in the Word, and then it's not working, and we don't understand why it's not working, and we get, we, you know, we, again, we get distraught with the whole thing, and the next thing you know, we're depressed and, and not going to church, and we're laying back thinking, oh, everybody's getting something from Jesus but me. Amen. We all go through those things. Let's look in the, 20, uh, the 21st and 22nd verse of that same uh, chapter. Uh, here it says, Thou shalt not be affrighted, not just afraid, at them, for the Lord thy God is among you a mighty God and terrible. That's the 21st verse. The 22nd verse says, And the Lord thy God will put out those nations before thee by little and little. Now notice there, there's what I just, uh, just proclaimed. Uh, little and little. What does that mean? A little at a time. See, the Lord God just... Now, now see God, and you've got to understand something about God. This is the same God that we're dealing with that said, let there be light, and there was light. Same God that we're dealing with that when Moses brought them out of Egypt, opened the whole ocean, the Red Sea, all the way up, and they passed across it on dry land. Same God. The same God that brought the manna from heaven, the same God that brought the water out of the rock, the same God that, uh, that Elijah uh, uh, dealt with, 
The same God that every one of these people in the Bible dealt with? Same God. If God wanted to, God could have sent the angels. He could have sent Michael, the war angel, and he could have sent him down there, and he said, okay, Michael, why don't you take two or three of the boys. I want you to go down there, and I want you to make a parking lot out of all that land for my children. I want you to move them out of there. How many understand that the angels came and killed thousands? You can read and you can find Scripture to find out that God sent angels one night and killed a hundred and some thousand of them because they, uh, because they weren't ad- adhering unto, the, unto Him. God can do anything. God could have destroyed all those nations that were there and said, take it, kids, it's yours, walk right on into it. What would that have done? Nothing. Nothing for Israel. And the reason it wouldn't have done anything for Israel was, look what He did. He brought them out of Egypt. The Bible says with a strong hand, signs and wonders brought them all the way out of Egypt. Brought them out, and there they were over there. And they weren't out there very long in the wilderness, and they become a place where they were murmuring, murmuring, listen, murmuring, murmuring, <clears throat> get it in a minute. Uh, and, they were, uh, and they were complaining about this and that and everything else. And, and see, when it comes too quick and too easy, we don't appreciate it. I want to tell you something. I get the opportunity in a, in a month's time to probably answer this question two or three times. People come to me and say, how do you work the works of God? How do you do that? How do you do what you do through the name of Jesus Christ? What, 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 what is it that, that, that causes the blind eyes to open, the lame people to walk, and the short legs to grow, and the cancers to leave, and the things that happen? What causes that? I said, well, Jesus... Well, I know Jesus does, but, but just, just what, uh, oh, just, 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 well, that's something. I'd love to do that. Doesn't that just give you the old zing when that happens? I can stand here today and say, I've been through enough hell through this temptation thing that I'm teaching here. It don't mean, it don't mean squat to me. It, it's Him. I'm going to tell you when, you, when you can work the works of God, you're going to find something out very, very important. You ain't doing nothing. If you folks knew how little I, part I play in this thing, you'd grin real big. Because I don't play any. only thing part I have in it is laying hands on people. That's the only part that I have. You see, God does the rest. But God has got to bring you to the point where you understand that. God had to bring this preacher to the point where I understood who God is. And not uh, who I was. And we want to teach who you are in Christ. But when it comes to working the works, if you're not real careful, you get way out in left field thinking, well, I know God did it, but look who He used. Huh? Look who He used. That's the way I used to look at it. Well, God did it, but look who He used. Look who He used. Look who who paid enough price that He used at this point in time. God can't use that either. Pride cometh before the fall, and you don't want to ever forget that. You don't want to ever forget that. Because, again, you're looking at the preacher that knows. God, I, I mean, the Lord has been through, uh, he's been through a lot. I mean, that's the reason I keep saying, of a truth, he's a merciful God because he put up with me. And if he put up with me, he'll put up with anybody. I'll guarantee you. He's long-suffering, he's patient, and, and, and bless God, he'll bring you around or you'll keep going around in that spiritual wilderness for the rest of your days. And the choice is yours. Hmm. It was mine. I got tired of going around bumping into them spiritual walls. And I finally decided... I'm going to go back and try to start at the beginning, find out where I miss God, and I'm going to try to do this thing right. Because I was tired of it. I've been around enough preachers to know that it was possible to work the works of God through the name of Jesus Christ. I wasn't doing it. 
I was going through. I was going through uh, just a uh, just a kind of a uh, just a, a a way of life that well just got me by the best I knew how to get me by. I, I really, you know, I didn't want to really have to get down to living and all that. You people should, but I mean, I really didn't want to have to do that. And that was while I was an elder in the church that I was attending. And I found out that God meant it for me just as well as He meant it for everybody else. And that comes back to the next thing. Most of us get to thinking that God doesn't mean that for us. Even though it says it, and we all agree that it's the truth, but we don't adhere to it. We're not a partaker of it. We're just kind of going through the motions. And, and God needs more than just going through the motions. Now, understand, too, that that, that growth is going to take time. And I always say, you want to be very, very careful about spectacular growth within churches, within uh, any small movement or group of uh, uh, people. Uh, and I'll tell you why. It's contrary to the Word. It's here in this 22nd verse. It said, little and little, thou mayest not cons- may not consume them at once, lest the beast of the field increase upon thee. Can you understand what God is saying here? You can't handle it all at once. The beasts of the field. What are the beasts of the field in our life? Pride. That's one of probably one of the biggest ones. Then you go, then you have to look around and, and begin to understand that through pride, oh, when that, that door is open, it'll suck in a lot of things. And before you know, it will eat up a ministry. It will absolutely destroy a ministry. That's the reason, that's the reason that, that huge amounts of increased or, or immediate success doesn't work. Now, let me explain to you, as far as this preacher uh, is, and with what I'm doing right now on the face of this earth, building churches. If, in fact, when I started the first church, if the Lord God would have started, and I, and I believe that church actually started out with, I think, other than my immediate family, about 14 people over there. If, if in fact, that thing would have started out with 100 people, I probably uh, couldn't have handled it. Two two ways I couldn't handle it. Number one, I didn't know I didn't know the operation of the church. I thought I did, but I didn't. I didn't understand how the church was to operate, how churches are to operate. I didn't understand the whole principle behind it. I had some head knowledge about it, but I didn't have any heart knowledge at all about it. I just figured, well, I can uh, you know bumfound my way through it, and that's what I did. Made some mistakes with it and got some things right, and I learned how to build churches uh, through that church over there. But I do know this, that instant success would have kept me off of my face before God. Can you understand that? When you can instantly succeed, you won't seek God. You'll seek God when things look like they ain't going so well. Somebody say amen. That's when you seek God, when things aren't going well. When things are going, well, if I'd started out at that church, it just blossomed and bloomed. I wouldn't have fasted. I wouldn't have prayed. I wouldn't have sought the face of God like I still do for that place like I do for this place. It's line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. And that's the way, my brothers and sisters, churches are built. They're built. And as I've taught you, there's more to a church than a preacher standing behind a pulpit. My part of this thing is the least of the least as far as I'm concerned. Because I'm called of God and anointed of God and I'm going to do what I do every time I get behind this pulpit. Because I have given myself to God enough at this point that God will use me. He will use me. Now, but see, that doesn't make a church. People make churches. It takes solid people that will understand the process of which I'm teaching here and able to grow a church of any size at all. 
You've got to have people that will become solid within the foundation with Christ, the head cornerstone. You've got to have people that are solid within that foundation that will understand that every time the wind blows, you, you don't look up and they're waving goodbye and going down the road because you didn't wear the right color or tie, the right suit. You didn't say hello. You didn't smile. You didn't park the car in the right place. You didn't do this the right place. They didn't sweep the floor right. They didn't clean the pews up. They didn't keep the back door open. They didn't have the heat high enough. Huh? See, not, not for that. I'm going to tell you something. And, I'm, and I've made this statement before, and I'll make it again. I pray, and I've had to pray. Ministries like my ministry draws a lot of people. We've had a lot of people come through those doors since I've been here. Uh, you can look around, they not, all, not all of them stayed. And I'm going to tell you, my prayer is, God, I don't want, I don't want the flakes. I can't use them. To build churches, you've got to have solid people. You've got to have people that want to grow up in the Word of God more than anything on the face of this earth, including their flesh. And if you can't find people like that, then bless God. I've been in churches, I've been, folks, I've been in churches two or three thousand people. And I had two or three thousand flakes in it. They got programs to keep the flakes happy. You think I'm kidding you, but I'm not. They, they, I've been in, I, I was in a great big old church out there in, in Columbus, Ohio, and they had, they had a deal, and Pastor Vaughn told me, because I just might ask him. I said, what do you do to keep all these flakes here? I said, how do you keep them happy to keep, well, he says, when we just give the, the head flakes, he called them, we give them a position, and then they, they have their own little get-togethers with all the rest of the flakes. I said, in other words, you let them all get together and lay hands and prophesy. and all the, Well, he said, there's no other way to keep them in the church. Now, he's right. He's right, if that's what you're looking for. That's not what this preacher's looking for. You can find them, folks. You, you can fill a building up. Now, you can fill a building up if, if, in fact, you want to chase after and try to, try to make that work that way. But I'm going to tell you, in the long run, it won't work. The reason it won't work, because as I'm teaching you this morning, scripturally, there's no, there's no substance to it. There, there, the, 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 the eye tooth of the Lord God isn't into it. It won't work. Because it's a little at a time. It's a little at a time. And there, there again is a reason that you've got to be careful about these instant growth things. And you see new churches get started. You've got, to, you've got to understand if that ministry isn't grounded and rooted in the Word of God, there's going to be, a, number one, a lot of emotionalism take place. A whole lot of emotionalism take place. If, in fact, the ministry behind the pulpit doesn't discern and isn't able to take the authority that that pulpit is and has to be, then the next thing you're going to see is you're going to see a, 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 you're going to see a, a, a lot of uh, ups and downs, and you're going to see a lot of people, uh, bless God, uh, being tickled with the Holy Ghost goosebumps, as I'm saying, and that's all that's going to happen. You're going to find out there's not going to be a good sound doctrine there to build anything off of. And the next thing you know, uh, a lot of bad doctrine is going to get started because such and such is going to say, I've been to this place nationally and they're teaching that. We better teach that here. And a lot of that is, uh, is uh, something that you take and run with. Well, if a doctor such and such out wherever is teaching that, then that must be good enough for us. So we'll teach it. They have no revelation of it. They'll just teach it. So again, be sure you understand that quick growth. Uh, you want to be careful of it. You want to look at it. You want to stand back and give it a long, hard eye. Better yet, you better fast and pray about it. Okay? Because it's not scriptural for it to work. This church, uh, this church is on, is on, uh, is on schedule. I don't think that, uh, 
we've not made any big increases, and, and we won't. And, and I'll guarantee you the reason why we won't in this church is I'll keep preaching the Word of God right at you until it'll either bring you in or run you off. And that's exactly what it does. It'll either get you in this thing or it'll run you all the way out of it, and you'll be going down the road calling me the devil, and anybody will listen to you. You'll tell them the same thing because I'm going to preach the Word to you. I'll either grow you up in this thing, or you'll find out that some of them other churches look better and better and better all the time to you. Because the Word of God's what's going to make you free. Okay? It's not, it's not some preacher patting you on the head and telling you, oh, you're doing, you're doing okay, you can sin like that, it'll be okay, just repent, it'll be okay tomorrow. And you get around somebody like me telling you, no, it's not okay. In fact, you was with me the last couple of weeks, you found out how not okay it really is under your children and could even be to your children's children if, you, if the Lord God tarry. Well, let's look in Luke 22. Let's look in Luke 22. I love the Lord. Can you say amen? Luke 22, 28. Luke 22, 28. Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations. Now, this is Jesus talking to the, the disciples. Now, this is Luke twenty two twenty eight. Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations, and I appoint unto you a kingdom as my Father hath appointed unto me. Now, the 30th verse. That ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now, Jesus is stating a promise here to his followers. Okay, now he's stating a promise. All right? Now, I want you to look in 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. 32. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now, Jesus permitted Satan to come near Simon, and the reason he did... Uh, there needed to be uh, there needed to be a temptation exposed to him. And, uh, there was something in there was something evidently in his heart uh, that blessed God that needed to be tested before Peter was going to be the one to strengthen the brethren. All right, there had to be something there that had to happen. Now uh, before uh, you understand, as I said earlier, now. I do realize that with these kind of teachings, if you're not careful, if you don't have your heart open to receive, and it's important that you always uh, understand scripturally that you're, you're to listen, uh, judge it by the Word of God, and then either receive it or reject it. So many people, when it comes to the Word of God, because of past doctrine that they have been taught, when you start teaching into these areas, they automatically they start going, oh, that, uh, I've been taught differently, I reject that. But you see, if you do that, you will close your spirit man up where your spirit man uh, will not be able to reach out and receive revelation when it comes. That's what happened to the entire church when Jesus came. They had closed themselves up where they weren't going to receive anything except the old doctrine. And I do realize that what I'm teaching here is something that, that bless God, that will set the church free. I know it will. I've seen it set, set people free. Uh, there has to be, and the reason I said the teaching here looks like, well, you, the Lord God's going to put hell on you to bring you to a place to, of coming. And, and then you take that to the four extreme. Some of the Pentecostals say, the Lord God put cancer on me to get me straightened up. 
No, God does not put cancer on anybody. And that's what you've got to separate from the teaching that I'm teaching here uh, into that. As again, I keep saying there's a balance to this thing. And that teaching of cancer being put on you by God is way, way out of bounds. It needs the balance brought into it. Because without the balance, we're going to either have this side or we're going to have that side. But there is a balance to this thing. All right? And teaching you through this, and it may, if you'll listen and get your, man, your spirit man open here long enough to receive it, you can understand what I'm teaching or about to teach here. That Peter, that, that Jesus knew. Now listen to what he said. He said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that, you may, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. All right? Now I want you to know something else important. Jesus didn't pray and say, uh, Father, uh, take, take, uh, take Simon out of this temptation. Now see, most of us are saying, Oh, God, deliver me from this hell that I'm going through. Now that's not what Jesus prayed. And that's not what goes on. There's a lot of people crying and bawling and squalling prayers to God that God's not even listening to. God's not going to take you out of a temptation. That temptation is set there to teach you something. And this is, this is the prime example of it here. He said that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. All right? Now, before uh, Simon could, uh, Peter could enter into his promised land as a leader... Uh, and that could strengthen his brother, uh, he, and faith be built up. Faith had to be built up in him, okay, to receive. Now, in, in 33, it says, And he said to them, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both unto prison and to death. Now, I can substantiate all of what I've just said beforehand. You hear what he said? I'm ready to go with you. He, listen, he said, and to death, I'll, I'll even die with you. That's what he said. He said, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. He said, me and you, Jesus, arm in arm, I can see us right now, just whipping on up there to that cross to hang up there, me and you. That's what he was saying. Now, that's what, that's what he was saying. Now, there was a little pride, okay, and a little self-sufficiency in Peter through making this, uh, this uh, assumption that he was making uh, because he assumed that he was ready for that kind of a trial, okay? Many times we feel the same way. I'll never forget this old song, Whatever It Takes. Can you remember that one? Whatever it... And I'm telling you, every time we'd ball and squall and get up that and throw and God, whatever it takes. Well, none of us knew what we were saying. Huh? None of us have ever known what we were saying. Oh, Lord, I want to walk with you in that place. This, I mean, whatever it takes. And the Lord's hearing all this. He's saying, okay, okay. Uh, I'm going to permit you to be tempted here so that you can straighten this up in your life so we can begin to use you over there. And then this happens to you. And see, most of us never knew why all that hell broke loose a few days or a few weeks or a few minutes or a few hours after. We're saying, whatever it takes, Jesus. And he's saying, okay, okay, uh, let that happen. And, and we're going through it and going, oh, I don't think, I, I just don't think I'm ready for this. Huh? I just don't. I just, and we look at it so backward because we don't understand that that's what we ask. What you ask, you're going to receive. And the Lord God says, okay. And he's, he's letting this come in your life so you can get things out of your life so He can use you. And we were looking at it like, the devil did it to me. Huh? Yeah, I know. I was in on that, on that deal too. Everything, everything, somehow, the devil got in the middle of this thing. And then after I found out the fact of the matter, the way God had does things, I thought, dear God in heaven. I was accusing the devil. Of course, the devil brings those temptations. 
But the fact of the matter is, all things pass through the hands of the Father. Can you understand that? All things. All things pass through the hands of the Father. So I quit singing that song after I found out the truth. They'd sing that. I just kind of sit there and keep my mouth shut. Huh? I'd say, oh, praise God. Praise God. I, that was the end of that for me, see. Now, in uh, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, you can hold your finger there. We're going to come back. I want you to get back over to 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. And uh, we're going to look into the... into that 12th verse. Now, we touched this last week, and now I'm going to prove to you that Paul knew what he was talking about. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Okay? Now, we just heard Peter. Now, you can turn back over there now to Peter. I want, to, I want you to get that verse into your noggins and your spirit. Peter thought that he, you know... Yes, sir, I've, I've, I've been out there in the water with you, Jesus. I'm ready to go to prison, and I'm ready to die with you. All we got to do is just whenever it comes, I'm ready, I'm ready for it to happen. I'm ready for it to happen. Now, when we feel strong, we no longer depend upon Christ for our strength. That's the reason that Paul said, when I'm, when I, in my weakness, I'm made strong. Remember Paul saying that? In my weakness, I'm made strong. When your self-sufficiency overrides your being, the Lord God being your sufficiency, you're going to get in a heap of trouble with Jesus. Again, I can use me because I'm the only example that I really know and know from down here in my heart and what was there. With the healing ministry that God has put into my life, which is Him, I got to the place where it was an automatic thing for certain types of miracles just to happen. It was just like going out in the name of Jesus, touching them. Oh, you had to just touch them. I, I, I got to the place where I didn't even speak to the problem. I just said, in the name of Jesus Christ, receive and watch miracles come. And I got to the place where I realized that I was taking very, very much for granted what God was doing. It almost became like it was complacent, like a lot of times churches get. They become complacent. They don't, want, they don't go on with God. They just take everything for granted, and we're having wonderful services, and isn't this great? And we quit. Uh, our sufficiency becomes within our own selves instead of the Lord God. And that's where I, I once came with the, with, the, with the ministry. And then all of a sudden, I begin to understand something. I begin to understand that because it wasn't that I didn't know that God was doing the healing, it was the fact that I was making sure if I fasted and prayed and, and did the things that I thought was, at that point, thought was causing that all to happen. Now, it doesn't hurt. Now, don't misunderstand. It takes a lot of fasting and prayer to, to birth ministry. It takes a lot of fasting and prayer after ministry's birth for it to work. But it isn't the prerequisite to causing miracles to come. And see, I thought it was. He is, he is the one. It doesn't come through how many time meals you go without or anything else. And the fact of the matter it is, He's omnipresent. He's here today. He should be in you today. He's filling this room, sitting next to each of you today. That's the kind of God that we serve. And when that self-sufficiency um, uh, gets, to the, gets into you, and it does in all of us, folks, there's not any of us that are uh, come to a place of being free from it, then the Lord God has got to deliver us from that. He's got to deliver us from our sufficiency being within ourselves. Thinking, oh, yes, 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 I can, I can, I can. 
Now, again, you can because the Bible says that you can. But the secret, if there is one, and there really isn't, to be sure that you understand the I can part is Him. It's not you. Paul said, I can't do anything myself. But through Christ, I can do all things who strengthens me. All things. All things I can do. And, and, and that's the important, and that's the important part of it. Now, and now back over in the 34th verse of Luke 22, it says here, and uh, he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day, before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Boy, what a statement. Huh? Huh? Uh, I'm sure old Peter sitting there and thought, no, no, Jesus. Um, uh, uh, you can uh, look around, Jesus. There's some of the others uh, that are here that probably, uh, yeah, you know, John and James, and uh, and uh, yeah, they probably not me. Nope, you're looking at the rock. You know, you're looking over oh, Peter. The actually that uh, means Cepheus, a small stone. But you're looking at the big old Peter, the fisherman here, and I'm with you, Jesus. I'm with you all the way. Now that's probably about what Peter was thinking. See, that's probably about what Peter. That's probably about what Peter was into in the way he thought. Uh, well, you know what? He had to be into it because just above it, he says, "Hey, I'll go to prison with you. I'll go to death with you. I'll do it all." And Jesus turned around and said, "I've got news for you, Peter. There's a little bit about this you don't understand. And the fact of the matter is, you're going to deny me three times. Three times you're going to deny me. Look in Psalms 37. Psalms 37." You want to keep your hand there. Well, no, you don't. We're going to go on from that. Psalms 37. Uh, 23, I'm sorry. Psalms. That's not twams. That's Psalms. 37. Boy, <laughs> one of those days. Psalms 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Now, that is probably as great a, a promise and the greatest uh, something to put in your heart as there is. And I guess that you heard me in the early statements of uh, today's message to tell you that temptation is not designed by God to take you under. Now, if you'll stop and you'll think about it, most of you that are in this room that have ever realized what temptation, or known that you were in a temptation, or a test, or a trial, however you want to use that terminology, you didn't go under. You, if, you, if you put your trust in God, you didn't go under, even though you didn't understand how to come out of it, and you didn't understand God was trying to, to teach you something, to change you in some way through it, you still didn't go under. You still, oh, you may have struggled along with it. It may have got worse, and it got better, and it got worse, and it got better, and it got worse, and it got better, but it didn't take you under, see? And here it says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. The Lord's always there. The Lord was there with Peter when Peter got his eyes off the Lord Jesus and began to sink when he walked upon the water. It said, the Bible says, And immediately Jesus reached down and, and brought him up. He reached down and brought him up. Reached down and saved him. See, that's, that's exactly the, the, the way that we've got to understand God as being. I, I think before we can really understand that, though, I think we have to understand that we haven't arrived. We, we haven't individually arrived. I believe we have to understand that 
from the ministry, from the five-fold ministry, right on back through the rest of the churches. It is a growing process. It is a learning process. And that process is going to go on for all the days that we walk the face of this earth. That we, we, we never... My brothers and sisters, any time that you get around ministry that, that, that believe that they have totally arrived, that there's nothing else that they could learn... Uh, you know, I keep saying you want to run from them kind of people. Don't walk, run from them. Because they, they, they miss God. Because there's more tomorrow than there is today. The, the amazing thing about the book called the Bible is that I don't care how many times... How many of you people have honestly ever studied, studied Peter and related to what I'm teaching this morning that's here in this room? Now, you don't have to raise your hands. But honestly have been able to relate it and understand that Peter thought that he was ready to do it, but he wasn't ready to do it. Peter wasn't ready to do it. Peter hadn't paid enough price, if you want to put it in that way, to do it. What is the price? It's changing within himself. Changing within himself. Now, in Second Peter, and of course we know that he did, he did exactly deny, just exactly, just exactly, like Jesus told him that he was going to do, but it strengthened him. And, and then again, you have to understand that, well, here we are going over to uh, uh, what we call Second Peter, which is, is, uh, is Peter uh, writing this. Uh, now, let's see, I want to go Second uh, Peter 1. Second Peter 1. Now, I found it myself. Uh, the first verse. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, maybe you can understand how come he made that statement that way. Now, listen to what he said. To them that have obtained like precious faith with us, those that have obtained it, those that have received it. Now, again, that receiving or that obtaining of that, Peter could only talk about because he had been through it and received it himself. At that point in time, at that point in time, and again, the correlation is so beautiful, the way that the Lord put that all together, with us understanding that even though Peter thought that he was ready to be used by God to strengthen the brethren, he wasn't. He wasn't. And if, in fact, we can get that into our spirit man and to understand, that, there again, that, that, that gets to being the difference between people that are, go out here and get into ministry before their time. And it's like I keep saying, you know, you start a church, uh, you teach for six months, what are you going to teach them after that? You probably taught everything you know at least twice, but then... What are, what are you going to teach if you haven't come up under ministry and spent, spent years, folks? It, it takes years under ministry to be able to feed into a balance where people can understand what's going on and not, not just throw a bunch of stuff like a, shooting a shotgun at them. And, well, the ones that get it, that's great. And the ones that don't, that's great. And the ones that goes over the head, well, they'll just have to come back next year or next six months or two months from now and we'll go through the same thing again. I think that's the reason we got down to the place where we all knew about the gifts of the Spirit and, and, uh, and a few of the other things that were prominently taught from behind the pulpits and a lot of the charismatic movement. But when it came down to, and, and we put faith into that, but when it came down to people actually understanding, I know when I, when I received the call into the ministry, God told me 
a couple very important things that I've never forgotten. Number one, he told me, he said, he said, you will uh, never be known as a preacher of great elegance. So he said, you might as well forget that because that was something that was in my heart. I wanted to, I wanted to be able to elegantly uh, bring forth the Word of God because I've watched a couple of preachers on television, kind of liked them. You know what I mean? And I thought, hey, this would be great because everybody would like you if you could do it that way. He said, no, he said, he said I've called you to bring forth the Word, uh, the demonstration of the power of the Holy Ghost. And he said, he said, that's going to cause you a lot of heartaches. It's going to cause you a lot of problems. Because he said, people aren't willing to receive truth. He said, they all, you're going to find out. He said, they're all going to want it. But he said, there's not very many going to walk in it. Because he said, because it becomes too difficult, because it's going to mean giving yourself totally to God. See, you've got to give yourself totally to God to do this. This isn't something you do on weekends like you join the National Guard or something. It isn't like that, see. Yeah, you don't, you don't, you stop and think about now, though, the people you know that go to church on the weekend and you see them out here during the week, and I mean, they're a cussing and a drinking and a snorting and a throwing and a fighting and a, you know. No, that's, that's, that's not what this is all about. This is about giving yourself unto the Lord Jesus Christ totally. This is about what Peter had said. Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you. I'm ready to die with you, if that's what it's going to take. Now, Peter had the right words, but he wasn't ready for that. There were some things that yet had to happen in order to bring him around about that. Now, in the second verse, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as He, as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Now, that's... You know, Peter was pretty deep. Now, for a fisherman, he could put his words together. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, let's pick that up a little bit there. Get, pick it out there a little. Pick it apart a little bit. I'll get it in a minute there in the third verse. He said, According as His divine power hath given, uh, hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises. Can you say amen to that? I know you can. That book's full of it. That by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So lust is something that's got to go. See, he says that. Now, what he's saying here is that if there's lust there, you haven't escaped the world. Okay? And if you haven't escaped the world, then you can't be partakers of the divine nature Having escaped, you haven't you, you haven't become the the, the partaker. Now now get away from uh, get away from the statement because most of us when we hear that statement, what we're really thinking that we're hearing here is of him saying uh, because you have become uh, have let Jesus come into your heart. Now that's true. When Jesus comes into your heart, then you are in line to be divine partaker. Okay, or you can say you are a divine partaker. That's like saying that there's a, there's no disease, there's nothing going to come nigh my dwelling. Out of, the, out of that book of Psalms that we that we uh, read so much about, the fact that 91st cha- chapter of Psalms. But the fact of the matter is, you, there is diseases coming into your house. The protection's there, but it doesn't work unless again you're walking according to the Word of God. It is just something that most Christians go around proclaiming that's not happening. And and and, when I, and the thing that I can never understand, and I guess the problem that I've I've had is that 
I was able in my own life to see that it wasn't working. I would stand on that promise. I'd say, now there will be no flu. Have you ever prayed this prayer? There will be no flu bugs come into my home because in that 91st Psalm it says that there's no plagues that will come nigh my dwelling and I'm a child of the King. Now that sounds beautiful, doesn't it? And it's truth. We all had the flu that winter. Huh? We all had the flu that winter. And I, I go to the preacher and I say, now, now, wait a minute here. I said, listen to this prayer. And I prayed the prayer right in front of the pastor. I said, now, did I do that right or did I do that wrong? He said, well, that was a good prayer. I said, and that come from my heart? He said, that's right, that come from my heart. He said, out of your mouth and out of your heart? He said, I, I'm sure that was there. I said, now, how come we all got the flu? He sat there and he looked at me and I looked at him. We sat there and looked at each other for, you know, a minute. It seemed like an hour, and you're sitting there and everything's quiet. He said to me, he said, I don't know. He said, I don't know. Well, the fact of the matter was, see, there was still lust in my life. Now, lust don't have to be sexual lust. It can be lust after money. It can be lust after possessions. be lust out of having best for yourself. It was still there. And if it's still in your life, you're, you're still not partaking of the divine nature like God wants you to partake of it. You have been make a, made a partaker of it, but you're not partaking of it. And the only way that you can partake of it, again, is to get the lust out of your life. The fifth verse says, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to pa- temperance patience, I read that once, didn't I? And to patience godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity, which is love. Charity, which is love. Now, there's nine areas here that Peter lists that must be cultivated in your life and in my life. There's nine areas. One by one, to build upon the foundation, or the foundational promise, I should say, Thus we shall become partakers of the nature of Christ. Now, we're going to break these down, and the first thing that he's talking about here is, is uh, in that fifth verse, and he says, besides this, giving all diligence. Now, diligence simply means be persistent, stick to it, work at it. Be persistent, stick to it, Work at it, and remember, it isn't our own work, but rather persistence in, in clinging to Christ who works in us. Use your diligence to do what? To exercise your faith. I'm going to read that all again because it's rather lengthy. Diligence to be persistent, stick to it, work at it, and remember it isn't our own work but rather persistence in clinging to Christ who works in us and through us. And then you're to use your diligence to exercise your faith. And it will work that way. The next thing he says, and then he says, and besides this, giving all diligence, comma, add to your faith, add to your faith. Well, here I put down, employ every effort to exercise your faith. Hebrews 11, 1. Okay. Faith exercised will develop in your virtue. Faith exercised will develop in your virtue. And, and, and of course, we teach here 
that you have to keep exercising your faith for it to grow. Hey, thank you again so much. That's Prophet Tom Deckard, Mount Carmel, Illinois, Cradle of Hope Ministries. Again, you can get more information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. Get out there, do yourself a favor, find out what's going on here, and you won't be disappointed. So, again, you can also get more. All the tape series is out there on the website for you to get a hold of. I greatly encourage you to get all that. You can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com. Again, that's 